So, Sanjeev Gupta, founder of Liberty Group and GFG. Here we are at COP28 in Dubai. Uh, happens to be your, your local base, Sanjeev, but you're particularly enthused by this COP28. For what reasons? Now, Colin, I think we chose the way as I had quarters because it really is at the crossroads of the world. You know, our, our world spans US to um, Australia. This is bang in the middle. But also the way it has a trading um, uh, background. It's got a, it's mixed, you know, it's, it's, it makes deals happen. So the amount of interaction which has happened at this COP, I think, is better than uh, we've seen in the previous ones. Particularly exciting for us. So you've got something circa 38,000 employees globally. It seems though from the various sessions I've listened to, to yourself and your colleagues here in Dubai, Australia really is the, the, uh, um, the blue wild child in your group. Is it because of the magnetite? What is the opportunity that makes Australia so, so, so exciting for you? So when I bought um, uh, RM from uh, administration into 2017, we saw clearly that there was a clear opportunity in, uh, in wild. It had this mountain of magnetite which is uh, the best quality and the most competitive in the world and the biggest resource. And really, it's, it's quite quite a uh, irony that for the last it's first mine, first iron ore mines is the birthplace of uh, iron ore in Australia. But for the last 120 years, we've been mining hematite. We've been removing hematite, which sits above the magnetite. So it's like the biggest overburden remover in history. And now we've exposed this, these billions of tons of uh, high quality magnetite. So that combined with the renewable energy opportunity in Wyala, and willing stakeholders. The fusion of all of that was an opportunity to create green iron, green steel. We had a need because our steel plants globally are mostly in Europe and developed countries where there is a clear um, drive towards decarbonization and that decarbonization can't happen without without green iron, which needs this magnetite, which needs renewable energy. So the constellation was incredible and that's simply very simply our strategy. Our strategy, strategy is to convert all our plants around the world to electric arc furnaces, half roughly already done, the rest on the way. And then these plants will need a feed, which is green iron, that we will make in Wyala to begin with, then in other hubs, one in the Middle East, one in the US. So 2030, you've made commitments around net zero. Is that timetable realistic? We have a specific plan for each and every plant. So every plant has a roadmap on how it will get to support carbon neutrality by 2030. We call it our CN30 mission. So it's definitely achievable, but of course it's a very ambitious target. It will need a lot of things to come together, not least capital. So that's the journey we're on. I'm very confident we'll get there. But even if you know there's some plants which you lag behind, it's still a success. There's no such thing as failure. Failure is only not when you give up trying. We are definitely ahead of the pack. We're trying and we're succeeding. And if we do, if by 2030, hopefully all the plants will be carbon neutral. But even if uh, half of them are new, it's still an incredible achievement compared to the rest of the market. So I've listened to you the last few days, Sanjeev, you've, uh, you've, you've made it clear that green steel uh, you think is the future and hydrogen is part of that. Uh, and you think Australia is in a stronger position than almost any country in the world. Can you explain to our readers and stakeholders uh, a little bit more about why? So first, let's take, take a step back. Steel is one of the biggest commodities. Steel is what modern civilization is based on. In 8% 8 of carbon? 8 to 9% of, of yep. CO2 globally. And um, uh, today the production of steel is about just over 2 billion tons, it's, it's supposed to rise to three, three and a half uh, billion over the next 30 years. So steel is a massive commodity and we can't do without it. That's starting point. The other problem is, as you said, it's eight, nine percent of global CO2. So as that production rises, this problem is going to get worse and worse and worse. So it's an urgent need. Without steel, you cannot decarbonize. You cannot reach, you cannot reach one and a half or two, whatever your target is. You cannot reach um, those targets without steel. The problem with steel has been it's hard to a bed sector, so-called. The problem has been it's not just a simple question of electrification. Electrification alone does not solve this problem. We need a 
chemical solution, which is hydrogen. So instead of using coal, you use hydrogen, which does require vast amounts of renewable energy. But with that hydrogen, you can uh, produce iron and steel, which is decarbonized. The key is that to do that, you need a different mineral, i.e. a different type of iron ore, compared to what was needed in the past for coal, which is not it's, it's prevalent globally, but it's not available competitively. It requires a lot of work. It's, it's a massive operation. Luckily for us, we have this opportunity in Australia. That's why that becomes key, because we have a, we have a ready mine, which can be mined for millions and millions and millions, or tens of millions of tons, rather, and that can produce tens of millions of tons of green iron. And we have, obviously, unlimited renewable energy, energy in, uh, in South Australia. So with South Australia, your one and only play, or to be a major global player, you're actually going to need to invest and in, uh, find new sites and operations in Australia? So the, at the moment, our vision is we have an unlimited, unsatiable supply of opportunity for magnetite. But in terms of making iron, that we do believe that apart from oil, there will be other opportunities in West Australia, in the Middle East, in the US, wherever there is an abundance of renewable energy opportunity and it's close to market. So we would mine in Australia, then we'll have these this green iron hubs in Australia, Middle East, US, which will then feed all our electric arc furnaces globally. So we heard uh, Climate Minister Chris Bowen speak at your special event here in Dubai on Friday night. Uh, he reinforced again uh, Australia's desire to be a potential energy superpower. Um, it's it's a big part of uh, part of our, our future in Australia. Uh, what do you think we should be? How do you th- how do you frame the capital markets in terms of the investment required, uh, in particular by pension funds, sovereign funds, funds managers, for that to be possible? So for renewable energy, you need certain aspects. We need, for example, and the, the most most big, biggest opportunity globally for renewable energy is solar and wind. And for that, you need good, good basically sunshine and good wind. And you need it for as long as period as possible during the day. So uh, there are a few places like that which work. It's a bit of an irony that fossil fuel countries like Australia, like the Middle East, are now also the best places for uh, for renewable energy. But so. You know, in Bayala, for example, we have probably the best solar and wind combination because basically, more or less, when the sun stops shining, the wind, wind starts blowing in South Australia. So you end up with a load factor maybe up to 70%, which is not seen anywhere else. So we do have the best resource opportunity, but we also have an unlimited amount of land. But the biggest thing is we have stakeholders, whether it's local government, South Australia, or the federal government, which are now fully committed to this. So that constellation is what makes it particularly exciting. So not being a steel expert, uh, the learnings I've had this last few days, St. Eve, is that it seems to be uh, a major tipping point when you can export finished products, finished steel products, um, with, uh, <coughs> with, with shipping that at some time in our lifetime will be also neutral carbon neutral. Uh, so am I right to, to, to suggest that it will actually be possible uh, to, to have shipping from say Australia to even to Europe uh, in the next few decades that will be uh, not using diesel, rather electrification ships or whatever and therefore it becomes viable in fact and economic to send finished steel product anywhere in the world. So carbon neutral even on net zero means we have to address <coughs> the entire supply chain so scope one, two and three and shipping is certainly a key part of that. And again, the key here is that it's not that easy to ship electrons. So when you convert those electrons into hydrogen, which is what we need for steel anyway, and you have that hydrogen available at a competitive price, that hydrogen can be easily converted to ammonia. And then that ammonia can be used instead of diesel in ships. So the, again, my view is that that will catch on. It will take, in the current fleet, 
shipping fleet will become redundant in the next 20-30 years. When that gets replaced, it will be replaced with uh, ammonia-burning vessels rather than diesel-burning vessels. So that's sort of the vision. Magnetite in Australia, renewables in Australia, green iron in Australia, also green iron in Middle East and other places. And that then being put on ships which are fed by green ammonia, which is once we have green competitive hydrogen, we can also have green competitive ammonia. I actually see that, that maybe one day at South Australia will become, or Waila will become uh, a big hub for bunkering because we will have this competitive resource available there. So steel kickstarts the hydrogen economy. Then it has, you know, hydrogen becomes more and more pervasive in all other uh, industries such as shipping. So currently, uh, it seems that that yourself, uh, as an entrepreneur and, and people like Andrew Forrest, uh, who is he's also here at COP28, uh, are leading uh, and are innovating in the the uh, hydrogen conversations. Uh, are the um, the large listed groups? Do you think uh, anywhere close behind you? See, there's a there is a uh, problem because. AR industry has always been slow to move. It's a traditional industry, it's a heavy industry. It's always slow to move. So there is, a, there is that inertia, if you like. And the other point is that it's, it's difficult because if you invested heavily in your plants and you've invested uh, you know, huge amounts of capital already, to then switch over from that to new capital is, it takes, is difficult. For us, it's a bit easier because we're in economies where, or countries where it's, it's cheaper to build plants. Eastern Europe, for example, is where most of our European production is. That is, it's much more competitive. It will cost us half of what it will cost us in Western Europe to switch those plants. And also, to be candid, we haven't, when we bought these plants, they were underinvested. So they haven't been overinvested like some of the West European plants have been. So easier for us to give up on an underinvested plant than it would be to, to give up on an overinvested plant. So that's why I think there is a bit of inertia in terms of the rest of the industry following. But there is no doubt in my mind that they are going to follow. We've seen lots of announcements recently. Europe is investing billions into this uh, and supporting uh, many, many, you know, in Germany you've seen a lot of activity in France and Spain and so on. So I think everybody is now on this bandwagon. And the more people that come on, the easier it becomes because then the whole industry is moving and it's the supply chain becomes uh, more and more fluent for everybody. Just a couple of final things. So, so uh, do you have the uh, Australian government federally and, uh, and the various state governments uh, uh, with full support? Are there any outstanding requests that would open up these opportunities for green steel transformation for yourself and others? Look, the roadmap is definitely becoming clear. It's just a question of implementation. We need to do it faster and faster. Safeguard was a good mechanism. I know it was supposed by industry, but I think it's great because industry has to be has to be accountable for its emissions. Uh, then now the Head Start and you know the, the recent announcements about the CFD on how it would work is also a great idea. So I think that will flow soon. It's just a question of get, getting going. The first projects, when you have this mammoth seismic change happening, the first projects are always the most difficult ones to get off the ground. Once that happens, then it will carry its own momentum, which is why the intervention by South Australian government to build the world's largest electrolyzers next to our steel plant to feed our hydrogen requirements, the federal government's uh, initiatives on the hydrogen Head Start basic support in the initial extra costs for those, all of those things will become the pathfinders, the path leaders, which will then lead to the private sector coming in and, you know, the government's job is to crowd out the private sector, that's what they're doing quite well, I think. What we would ask for is just more speed, uh, but I, to be fair, they are, they are working reasonably quickly. And just finally, you're a privately held group of companies currently, uh, you've got assets pretty much on every continent. Uh, it seems that you've you've done uh, some debt raising and, and, and bond issues and so on over time, including uh, from BlackRock recently, which was on the public record. Uh, and uh, you haven't made any public comments about IPOing or, or going into the public markets uh, at, at this point. But just uh, give our audience some flavour for um, uh, the, what your how finding capital right now looks uh, and and, um, and and really what 
maybe large pension sovereign funds can do more to provide capital into the green transition? So, Colin, as you know, we had quite a, a seismic shock to our system when our main financier greens have collapsed about three years ago. So, last three years, we've been really busy about sorting that out. And we've done incredibly well, in my opinion. I should congratulate the team because we've, you know, we've reduced our debt levels. We've refinanced over a billion dollars of uh, funding with marquee, marquee names such as BlackRock supporting us. And we've launched a publicly listed uh, uh, high-yield bond in the U.S. market, which again had institutional investors from... Um, uh, of great quality and that bond is traded and it's investable by all investors now even uh, and next year of course as we go into next year and as we finish all of our restructuring and refinancing then we will launch all these projects and we will need capital for sure and we will look to the capital market to support that okay very very good anything you'd like to add to finish up and send you no i think this cop has had I, what i said is i mean I, the way is obviously home for me at the moment and i call it city of hope it's it's really the whole country, whole city has come about in one generation, which normally takes 10, 20 generations to happen. And it's a can-do place. Everything gets done. And this COP happening here is really quite opportune because it's been, for me, the one which has been the most attended by heads of states, more, maximum number of heads of states to every, uh, compared to any other COP in the past. And there is a lot of deals, a lot of uh, uh, progress happening. That's the point. In politics and industry or politics and uh, the private sector need to come together when you have this huge long-term changes. And I think at this COP, there's been a good result in that, so I'm very happy with it. Well, with that, as we pull into COP, literally to uh, have Sanjeev and his people speak at the Australian Pavilion, um, uh, as it's coming to the closing couple of days of COP28, uh, thanks very much for your, your time and, uh, and sharing uh, your information with me this morning, Sanjeev, and in particular, thanks for your, uh, as a major employer in Australia and investor in Australia, thanks for your um, involvement in our, in our country. Thank you very much, Colin.